morning and welcome to Sunlight Christian Center, located in downtown Orange. Let's join Pastor Joe and the worship service in progress. I mean, what right do I have to get up here to talk to you about labor pains? Having never had them, what makes you a professor, Pastor Joe? Well, I am not going to speak about the labor pains that a mother has when she is giving birth to a child. But I can say a few things about labor pains after the child is born. Because every parent knows that after birth, there is the labor of love. And that's the part where you guide and lead and give your wisdom and lend your support to the development of the child. And, and we teach them. We teach them the things that they're going to learn. It's, it's, those of you who parents know it's labor. It's work. And, and children don't always get there. They don't always get it. They don't always get the lesson. Sometimes they misunderstand. It's okay because the children, we all misunderstand some things sometimes. Sunday school teacher asked a question one time in class. He said, where does God live? One little girl in the back said, raised her hand, said, he lives in the bathroom. And the teacher said, well, what do you mean he lives in the bathroom? And she said, well, every, every morning my mother goes to the bathroom and pounds on the door and says, my God, how long are you going to be in there? And she figured that that's where. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't. You don't get it straight, and you have to... <laughs> labor pains after birth, the labor of love. But what I came to talk to you today is about labor pains before birth, long before the child is born. And with that, I'd like you to turn to First Samuel, the first chapter, because in this chapter we have a wealth of information and truth about labor pains before birth. In the first chapter, we're introduced to a man by the name of Elkanah. It says in this first chapter that Elkanah married Hannah. And I guess the marriage was so wonderfully married, he decided to marry again, so he married Penina, and now he's a man with two wives. I, I know right away you can see there's a problem here. They say a man's not complete until he's married and then he's finished. Well, here's a man, here's a man who got married twice, and that's a problem. Two women under the same roof will cause some major problems in a home. What makes this story even worse is that Elkanah loved Hannah more than he loved Penina. And when you have a home where there is favoritism, you have a home that is dangerous. You have a hostile environment. And what's going to happen between the interplay of the different people in this home is going to be nothing but tragic. Elkanah is going to learn something about showing favoritism and why it's wrong. Hannah, who he showed favoritism to, is going to learn something about sorrow. Penina. She's going to learn something about the anguish of the soul. And when you got to live in a home where the operative word is not cooperation, but competition, then you will understand how hostile 
a home life can be. Because these two women will end up fighting each other, striving, competing. The home life, the home life is supposed to be and is designed by God for a place where people can cooperate and because of teamwork, each one is loved individually. But when you have favoritism, and here you have Elkanah showing favoritism to Hannah, when favoritism is shown in a home, you, you change the whole structure, the whole nature of the home from cooperation to competition. Now, people in the home are striving and fighting to compete for their value, for their self-worth, for affection, for attention. And now they got to fight. See, when, you, when you're born into a home, you shouldn't have to fight for attention and you shouldn't have to fight for affection. When favoritism is in a home, then there's a fight. Fighting to get that piece of attention. And, and everybody loses. Everybody loses in this kind of a home. Let me, let me give you an example. When Jacob had Joseph, his son, one of his last sons, it said that Jacob showed favoritism to Joseph and got him a coat of many colors. So, so now Joseph is singled out in the family and favoritism is shown to Joseph. And the ironic thing about this is the very person you show favoritism to is the person that becomes, into a, vic becomes a victim. Joseph is shown favorite status, given a coat of many colors. His father loves him. And the brothers, what do they do? They hate him. Joseph's coat of many colors was nothing but a target. And when they saw Joseph with his coat of many colors, they, they looked at him as, as an enemy, and they vented their fury on Joseph. And you know the story, they eventually sold him into slavery. The, the person you show favoritism to ends up becoming a victim. Here's a family, you got a family where everybody is going to suffer because of favoritism, everybody. Elkanah is going to become the complaint department. Well, she said, and she did, and I don't like the way she is, and she's not treating me. He becomes the complaint department, and, and Penina, she becomes envious. She needs to shift and fight for the attention of a husband who has put his attention on somebody else. And Hannah, she's going to become victimized in a hostile environment, and she's going to feel like she's the butt of everybody's joke. And Penina took the advantage, it says in Scripture, and her rival also provoked her, Penina, provoked Hannah, severely, to make her miserable, provoked. It means vexed. It means said some things to irk. It meant to irritate. She said, Penina said things to, to hurt, to make Hannah feel guilty. She didn't do anything wrong, but she's going to now feel guilty. She's going to feel under pressure. She's going to feel the frustration. There's going to be hostility between the two. She's doing, she's provoking. She's, have you ever been in a situation where you got to live in an environment where there's hostility? You, did, you don't even know what you did wrong. You don't even know if you did anything wrong. You don't even know if the thing that they're blaming you for having done wrong is anything that you've done. All you know is you live in this constant tension and somebody's always yanking your chain and somebody's always pulling out the carpet from underneath you and somebody's always poking a finger at somebody and you live constantly under stress and strain. Somebody's provoking. So Penina provokes Hannah 
And of all things, God seems to be adding to the problem because Hannah is barren. And Penina realizes that God has not opened up her womb. Penina has children. She has sons and she has daughters. And Hannah has no children. She has, her problem is she had no labor pains. That was her problem. She could not give birth. And Penina kept poking and irritating and provoking. And you got to understand something about people. When, sometimes people, people are slick. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know what the Bible says? And sometimes you can say some things that are nice, but the message underlying the nice thing is really a jab. Like, for instance, Penina, she sees Hannah coming, and she's got sons and daughters. And she says to Hannah, Well, have you noticed my son, how wonderful he is lately? He's just a sweet, obedient, loving child. And all the while she's saying it with a smile, she's actually provoking. She's really communicating, and you don't have a child. Look how wonderful my child is, and you don't. And you weren't blessed. And God is not blessing you. It's amazing how people can use a compliment to be, you talk about provoked and living in a hostile environment. Somebody's compliment can be a criticism. Like, Peter the New Testament, it's easy for me to pick on somebody that's not around. Peter, isn't it wonderful how God is blessing the Apostle Paul? I mean, he's going everywhere, establishing churches, even writing books in the Bible, and, she's the, and all the while, what they really are saying is, Peter, how come God is not blessing you the way he's blessing Paul? Provoking. Have you ever lived in a situation where you were provoked? People, people were, were smiling, but behind that smile, there were daggers. And, and, and that's, talk about labor pains. Talk about how to survive what life throws your way. Hannah is being provoked by Penina and, and, and made to feel bad. And she's just rubbing it in, rubbing it in, rubbing in the fact that she has children and, and, and Hannah has no children. Warning, don't ever hit somebody when they're down. Because if you do, what are you going to do when they get up? And people are not down forever. Warning, don't ever use somebody's disappointment against them. You may live to eat the words that you spit out. Warning, don't ever think that God happens to be on your side because the person you don't like seems to be under some kind of a problem and is, uh, is, is under some kind of a difficulty and is behind the eight ball and is suffering some kind of a set. Don't you ever, ever think that that's because God's on your side because God is not on your side. God is on his side he is always on his side. And just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean that God doesn't like them either. And we do foolish things in our heads. Well, if some tragedy happens or some misfortune happens to the person I don't like, well, it must be God. God's on my side. He must love me. Don't, don't do that. Because what are you going to say when you're behind the eight ball and some trouble is coming in your way? You start thinking in that. And here, his, this is what's going on in his family. Penina 
is looking at the disadvantage that Hannah is in as, oh, this is, this is just proof that God loves me and doesn't let, don't go there. Warning. Don't ever judge a set of circumstances and look at the set of circumstances and try to determine what God is doing in that set of circumstances. It's foolish. It's foolish for anybody to start judging. Yeah, that is the reason this is happening is because that's what God, this is the reason it's going to happen. And this is what, the reason why this person is having a difficult time is because what do we know? What do we know about what is really going on in life? Yes, Joseph is in jail, but he's not going to stay there. And it happens to be a part of God's plan. So for some saint to go walking around determining what God is up to and what God is doing because some other saint has got a problem. or How do you know what God's doing? It's better just to be quiet. Warning. Never make anybody else's business your business. You've heard the statement, mind your own business. My mother used to say, mind your own business. It's a good piece of advice. But Penina is angry. Penina is envious. Penina is upset because the affections are going to Hannah. And she is so blinded by the fury and so blinded by anger. And anger will blind a person. That she drills into Hannah and provokes her. So it was year by year. And if you want to talk about labor pains, learning how to survive some of the hostile environments that you're in, that's labor pains. Year by year, say that with me, year by year. Say it again, year by, it wasn't just a day, a week, a month, year by year. Penina is provoking. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Hostility will affect you. It will affect your heart. It will affect your stomach. And Hannah is hurting. Living through a hell. Living through a home environment that's supposed to be, supposed to be, heaven on earth. That's what, that's what home is supposed to be. Even Moses that, you, that said you, that you would have a heaven on earth. Talking to parents. Heaven on earth. The closest thing to heaven ought to be home. And so many times the closest thing to hell is home. Living in a home where there should be peace. Peace. And it's nothing but strife. That's trouble. Year by year. By year. Finally, the husband, the husband, Elkanah, there's something a little slow about him, and, I, I, and it's not my business. That maybe Father's Day I'll talk about him, but, but we just want you to see. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Can I just throw in a few of my comments? Like you don't know. Like you've been living in this house, you don't know why she's weeping. Like nobody clued you in. But, but let's go on. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? There's nothing wrong with the questions. Nothing wrong with asking a person, what's going on? What's the problem? You know, in fact, questions are good. But when questions are used, and you would think that here is the husband coming to ask his wife, now, now let's talk, let's, let's, let's talk about what the problem is. He's opening the door for communication, and that's good, it's good to open up the door for communication, and then he slams the door with this. Am I not better to you than ten sons? He doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. It's the issue that his wife has, Hannah has, is the provoking that's going on between 
the second wife and her, and the strife and the put-down, the fact that she was barren was considered by a Jewish woman as disgraceful and shameful. That's her problem. That's why she's weeping. And Elkanah knows that. And then he tries to turn it around and fluff it off and make it seem like, yeah, but I'm much better than that. It's not about you, Elkanah. It's not really about you or ten sons. I got a hurt. I have an issue. And you're covering, you're putting a little Band-Aid over the real issue and walking off making yourself look like a hero, but it's really not about you being a hero. It's about Hannah hurting. But some husbands just don't get it. And, and to her credit, she does not even respond. If you check it out, I'm, I don't have the time to show you every passage in this, pa- in this scripture, but she doesn't even respond. Some, some things are just not even worth responding to. Scene switches. She's hurting year after year. Now Hannah is at the tabernacle. Every year they took a trip to the tabernacle. She's at the tabernacle. She's kneeling down. She's praying to God. She's weeping. She's crying. And as she is weeping before the Lord, Eli watches her mouth. Can't hear anything. She's just opening up her mouth. He's watching. He's the high priest. He's watching her. And then he thought she was drunk drunk he should know a little bit about some a little something about drunk because his sons had a problem he had enough baggage in his own home for him to keep all of his attention on his own home and the difficulties in his own home without him looking and determining and assuming that somebody praying is and then after thinking about it he started to speak first he watched him out then he thought she was drunk and then he said how long would you be drunk Put your wine away from you. It went from watching to thinking to accusation. You want to talk about labor pains in life? Brothers and sisters, we all have them. You don't have to be a woman to understand this kind of labor pain. And that's the the, the pain of being misunderstood and being misrepresented and having somebody look at you and deciding something else that's not true. And here you are. You know, she should have been furious. If I can imagine, if a pastor did something like that, If the pastor went down to the altar and and saw somebody uh, moving their mouth and then thought that maybe they were drunk and then goes over and tells them, you're drunk. Not even smelling their breath first to do something to find, you know, just you're drunk. I could imagine them walking out and never coming back again. I don't have to take this from no pastor. What right does he have accusing me? She should have been scandalized. She could have been. But this was one marvelous woman because she responds to the high priest and says no I'm not drunk my heart is hurting because I've been asking the Lord for a child and he hasn't heard me yet and Eli the high priest says go in peace God of Israel grant your petition do you see anywhere anywhere in that sentence the hint of an apology he has just accused this woman of being drunk and told her to put away her wine and she says no I'm not drunk and he tells her go in peace I think he should have apologized I, I, I just got the feeling that you know you, you can't let that go and not you, 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 can, you, just, you just can't walk away and not say I'm sorry like, even, I, even if you didn't mean it, I'm sorry I'm sorry I, I misjudged you I, I'm sorry just 
Go in peace. You know what? You know what about this lady that's incredible? It's this. She was hurt. The whole first chapter. She's weeping. She's provoked. She's miserable. She's hurting. Her heart is bleeding. But you, you cannot discourage this lady from where she's going. You cannot, no matter what, you cannot stop her. Yes, she is provoked by Penina, but she gets to the temple and she kneels before the Lord and she cries. She's provoked and she's hurt and she's made miserable and she keeps going. And the high priest himself misunderstands and accuses her of being, but she keeps her focus and she keeps her attention on the goal. She just graciously bows out and denies it and she's good. And he says, go in peace doesn't even apologize and she goes in peace and she refuses to be discouraged and refuses to be that's the kind of a woman God's looking for the kind of woman that never loses her focus she came listen to me carefully she came to God because she had a need and when she left she kept her need before the Lord. Here's what people do. Here's what people do. They come to God because they have a need and they leave because sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so said something that they don't like and somebody didn't shake their hand and somebody didn't hug them and somebody didn't smile. And You come to God because you have a need and then you leave because of some saint that does something uncaring and insensitive here is a woman who has a need and she never forgets that she has a need and if you insult her she still has a need and if you misjudge her she still has a need and if you hurt her she still has a need and if you provoke her she still has she refuses to remove the need from God's presence I came here because I'm hurting and I gotta have help and 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 that is a woman that God admires and it's a man that God admires. You just don't lose your focus. I think preachers should, should hear this. They, they should know that when you go to preach, you preach because you do it as unto the Lord. Everybody is told in so many different ways. Preachers say this all the time. You do it as unto the Lord. You serve as unto the Lord. You usher because you, as unto the Lord. You teach a class as, as unto the Lord. You babysit as unto the Lord. You do whatever you, whatever you do. You preach because it's as unto the Lord. If you preach because of people, what are you going to do when people don't like you? Well, and I won't preach. Or if I preach, I won't put my heart in it. But when you do something as unto the Lord, you get your mind off of the people and you don't have your mind on input. It doesn't matter what the input or the output is. Your focus is one clear, resounding target. And this is done because God called me to do that. You keep your need ever before the Lord and refuse to veer off course. You never lose your track. That impresses God. Those people get things done. Hannah refused to be discouraged. I want you to look at this lady. Got, got to look at this lady. I wish I had a picture so you could see her. You look at this lady. Here's a lady you can't discourage. And she'll encourage herself that she got to encourage. Here is a woman who has graduated from a school of what? Hard knocks. Now listen to this because this is important. Here's a woman who has graduated from the school of hard knocks. And... Her teacher 
oh, I got to come down here to tell you this because you got to know this. I hope you never forget it. Her teacher, Hannah, is a woman who has graduated from the school of hard knocks. And her teacher, brother and sister, was somebody you wouldn't expect. Her teacher was Penina, the one who whipped her with words, the one who provoked her year after year, the one who put her down, the one who criticized her, the one who rubbed it into her face that she had children and Hannah didn't have any, the one, the one, the one who was her, her enemy. My God, if I can't get this, I'm never going to get anything. You've got to understand the power of your enemy. We want to eliminate enemy, but God has allowed enemy to exist in our lives because the enemy in our lives is what God has sent to teach. The professor in your life is probably your enemy, and you didn't know it. And somebody said, yeah, but she's weeping. She's weeping. Look at her. She's down there weeping. Year after year, she's weeping. Don't you let her tears fool you. That is not the sign of her weakness. That happens to be the sign of her strength. She has an outlet. She has a way of diffusing the situation. Yes, she's crying. And it looks like weakness from us. But who cares what it looks like, what it is. Yes, she's weeping and she's crying. But it's not the sign of her weakness. It's the sign of her strength. David wept. And he wasn't he a warrior? Was there a man that could stand against David in battle? And yet he wept. Jesus wept. Was that a sign of his weakness? Hannah graduated from the school of hard knocks and she was toughened, toughened, toughened by her enemy. And her enemy was Penina. And she's so tough, so tough, that just the phrase, go in peace, is enough to encourage her. Because nothing could discourage her. But anything could encourage her. Maybe to somebody here today, the only encouragement you really need is somebody to, to look at you and smile. That's all. Just, and that's all you need. And you, maybe you're looking for something powerful and you're sort of something, something to break through and, and, and all you need is a, maybe a handshake, a hug, or somebody saying, I'm praying. Just, just a little, go in peace. And that's all you need to make it through the day. I don't need much. Lord, help me to get in that place. I don't need much. Just a little handshake. And Lord, I'll tell you the truth, if I didn't get a handshake, I'll shake my own hands. I'm, I don't need much. I don't want much. I just want, Lord, I just want to know I'm in your presence and I'm doing what you want me to do. And I came to pray and I was misunderstood, but I got on my feet and I said I wasn't drunk. And he said, go in peace. And I'm taking that and I'm going in peace. I refuse, I refuse to lose the focus of my attention. You've been listening to Pastor Joe at Sunlight Christian Center.